0: Hi again everybody, I'm Dan Hort and this is the Bengals Booth Podcast, the safety dance edition as we analyze the Bengals' decision to release veteran safety George Iloka following a preseason win over the Dallas Cowboys. Coming up, my broadcast partner Dave Lappin will join me to discuss that move, as well as the players that stood out to him in the Dallas game. I will also ask Lapp if his confidence in the offensive line took a hit from what he saw in the first half at AT&T Stadium, a.k.a. Jerry World, a.k.a. the Palace in Dallas. The next time you're in Dallas, by the way, you can take a guided tour of the stadium and have your picture taken on the star at the 50-yard line for a mere 32 bucks. Plus, in this week's Fun fact segment, you'll get to know German-born tight end Moritz Bowringer, who made NFL history a couple of years ago when he became the first player ever drafted straight out of Europe without playing college football in the U.S. First, he has a remarkable story and a cool accent. All of that is straight ahead, but first, here's a quick reminder that you can have the latest edition of this podcast delivered right to your phone, tablet, or computer by subscribing on iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play. It's the greatest invention since pie when it comes to dessert some people like cake others like pudding or chocolate mousse but i am a pie guy and i mention it now because there is an apple pie a few feet away as i record this and i will be crushing a slice as soon as i finish now time to bring in my broadcast partner dave lapham to discuss the iloka news and the standouts in saturday's 21 to 13 win in dallas Lap. let's start with Sunday's big news, the release of George Iloka. Some people were shocked. I would say I was mildly surprised.
1: Uh, How about you? Yeah, I'd say that maybe the timing, you know, a little bit. I think uh, a lot of his teammates were surprised because of the timing. Um, But when you look at it, I mean, uh, Jesse Bates has shown that he can play. I thought he you know, I thought he made a lot of good plays in the game against Dallas. The one-on-one in space, he's hitting people and they're getting nothing. I mean, the journey is over. And that was the question about him, you know, coming in. Uh, you know, great guy tracking the football, interceptions, making plays in the football, but would he tackle? And he's, to me, he's answered that question with flying colors. So I think, um, you know, the fact that they have a belief in him and, you know, I think they're trying to clear some, some cap space to sign – Extend the contracts of either Geno Atkins, Carlos Dunlap, or both. So, you know, when you look at the two moves they made with older players, there, were, uh, there was money to be had for salary cap purposes. Though That, that kind of makes you think the timing's coming sooner rather than later to have one of those guys extended potentially. So, I mean, when you added it all, went, added it all up and thought about it, not really a, a shock, uh, but I, I guess the timing may have been maybe a little surprising. I was not shocked for a couple of reasons. Number one, the Bengals made it
0: abundantly clear in the offseason. They wanted to upgrade the safety position. They talked to Kurt Coleman. He wound up signing with the Saints instead of the Bengals. They talked to Eric Reid, who still hasn't signed with anybody. And then they drafted a safety in the second round. So clearly, they weren't thrilled with the play, at least last year, of Sean Williams and George Iloka. And then secondly, to me, Sean Williams and George Iloka are kind of the same guy. Good tackling, solid very solid players, but neither one is a center field type that's going to get a lot of picks. Sean Williams is a year younger, quite a bit cheaper. Seems to make sense to me if you've got two guys that are more or less the same, keep the younger, less expensive guy.
1: Yeah, and I think also um, when when Jesse Bates showed that he could be the quarterback of the defense, because that's what George was. George was like a coach on the field, getting everybody lined up. Um, he's the guy that makes the calls, then makes the adjustments and coverages, you know, based on what the offense is doing. And uh, that, that's going to be a big responsibility. There's going to be some pressure, quote, unquote, uh, air quotes on, on Bates to get that done. Uh, he'll make some mistakes. You know, he's a younger player. Uh, George was uh, remarkable in that way, though. He had tremendous, has tremendous football IQ. And I think they feel like Bates does as well. And, and let's face it, you know what George Aloka is. Bates is ceiling. You have no clue yet. And if they're close right now, why not go with the younger, less expensive guy that has a bigger upside? So from the business standpoint, you know, it makes it makes sense for a lot of the reasons that, you know, you mentioned earlier as well. And um, you know, it's just that's just the the way it is in the national football league. A good example, this week's opponent, the Buffalo Bills, they get ten interceptions out of their starting safeties, five apiece. One made the Pro Bowl, the other one probably should have. Bengals got two. Out of their starting safety. So what they want is they want more plays like Buffalo has given them, given that defensive football team on the back end, and they're hoping that, uh, you know, Bates could be a big contributor to that.
0: Let's follow up on the timing-slash-salary aspect of this because George was in the third year of a five-year $30 million deal. It reportedly frees up about $5 bucks against the salary cap. Do you think that this is pointing toward a deal with Geno Carlos
1: or both? Yeah, you'd you'd have to assume that you'd have to think that that it's um, it's eminent. You know, uh, it's it, they saved save money um, by waiving a veteran receiver, save money by vetting a uh, waiving a veteran safety. It just you know it makes sense that uh, they're on the cusp of getting something done with one of them, hopefully both, but at least one of them. And the timing is about when it has happened. Uh, you know, right right before the season starts. So it would not be a surprise at all if in the next few days or the next week or so there's some kind of uh, some kind of deal that's gonna be announced and they're, hopefully they're just dotting the I's and crossing the T's. Let's face it, if they extend Geno Atkins, it all makes sense. Absolutely. Yeah. No question about it. And and players we've been talking about that. Uh, you know, Dre in, in conversation with Dre today, you know, that's that's the business and you know, he said, "I know this guys going to be making a pile of money on this football <laughs> team here shortly." So it's it's no, it's no mystery. It's no secret. It's just life in the National Football League in today's economy in the NFL for sure. All right, let's go back to
0: Saturday's win in Dallas. Bengals win at 21-13, but the starters were outperformed by the Cowboys in the first half when Dallas led 10 nothing. Let's specifically talk about the offensive line. Are you more concerned about the O-line coming out of that game than you were going in?
1: Yeah, I mean, questions weren't answered, you know, that, that you were hoping might be. Uh, in looking at it a little bit, uh, I thought that uh, the running game wasn't as bad as my initial reaction it was it was a twofold thing it, it certainly needs to be better than it was up front but I thought the running backs were trying to do too much making cuts that they didn't have to make they weren't running the tack of uh, the tracks as tightly as they could have and they were trying to create a home run and, and doing a little bit too much so I, I think it's just a matter of you know settling on whoever it is in the offensive line with the running backs and getting that rhythm and timing I mean you know the the relationship between your Your blockers and your running back is something that just comes with repetition. And repetition breeds comfort level and breeds excellence. And they're not there at this point in time. It's just just not in sync. It's not, uh, you know, they all talked about, like A.J. talked about, being off a tick. Uh, after the game offensively with the passing game well they're off a tick maybe a tick and a half in in the running game and it's it is it's all just a timing thing that you can only get done when you're at full speed you know in game conditions you can rep it and practice all you want but until you get out there and and it's uh, it's the real speed the real deal um, you know things are a lot different for sure
0: let's get to the positive let's pass out some game balls after the uh, victory in Dallas give me a few guys that stood out to you on both sides of the ball
1: well I, I tell you, I thought that offensively you know you look at you look at uh, Brian Hill he took advantage of his opportunities fully you know he averaged twenty three and a half yards a catch and he averaged six yards a rush so you know that that's pretty pretty proficient pretty efficient he had his uh his four play fifty nine yard drive that was all him so Guys like Trey Carson, who I thought stepped up as well, Trey Carson and, and Brian Hill are saying, "Don't forget me. You know, I'm I'm here. Here I am. I'm I'm out here performing. And if it's not the Bengals that are going to answer the, the raised hand, it might be another team in the NFL, or it might be a team in Canada, or these new leagues, or what these guys are doing in these preseason games is trying to extend their football life, trying to extend their football career. So uh, they know that they're not putting tape down just to be evaluated by the Cincinnati Bengals organization. It's being looked at by everybody, and everybody is looking at every <laughs> every single bit of tape that they possibly can from every single football team in the National Football League. So um, it's competitive to, to make that 53-man roster, but there are other opportunities you know, it's it's maybe you don't hit a home run, but why not hit a ground rule double? You know, if you if you can stay alive and you might score, somebody might knock you in. You know, so it's it's the same same type of thing. You just you're scratching and clawing to continue your uh, your career. And I thought you know those two guys stepped up. I thought on the on the offensive side of the football, and then defensively, Nick Vigil. I mean, Vigil Vigil was was strong. I think he had four unassisted tackles and a couple of assists, and he had the quarterback sack, one of the five sacks. The Bengals did have five sacks on the day, and uh, Dallas only had one. And I thought uh, Bates, Jesse Bates with four assisted tackles, we, we saw him hit his gap responsibilities properly and, and make plays. And I thought that's the, as we talked about earlier, that was the big plus. He's done it in a couple of games now. And, you know, two preseason games does not a career make or a season make by any stretch, but it's encouraging to see him doing that, uh, you know, that type of thing. And I thought Billings, you know, we talked about it uh, before the game, have they solved the nose tackle position? We thought maybe that's the closest one to being solved. He took another step, I thought. It wasn't Travis Frederick, but it was a good offensive line still in there when he was playing. And he had three unassisted tackles and as an interior guy. And that's not counting the disruptions that he took back to somebody else. One of his tackles was a tackle for loss, four-yard loss on his own. But then there were other plays that were negative plays because he made that back, make his first cut, and teammates were there to to finish it up. So I thought, I thought Billings really showed up. And then, you know, the young guys, Jordan Willis with a couple of sacks and Sam Hubbard with a strip sack. So defensively, I thought uh, they did. They, I thought they missed, misfit one gap responsibility that hurt them in the running game, but overall, I thought they played the run decently against a pretty good, you know, offensive line. So, um, you know, even though they were they they get outplayed, I agree with you, Dan. Being in the football game, it wasn't like they were totally embarrassed and dominated. When you when you look at it, it's never as bad as you think, and it's mm-hmm. never as good as you think. You know, once you really take a look at it, so I think uh, you know you can work from it and build off it. That's for sure. Are you ready for my game ball? What's your game ball?
0: I am giving it to Bengals head coach Marvin Lewis for the following reason. Going for two with a minute to go in the third quarter to more or less guarantee that that game would not go to overtime. And, of course, it worked on a nice catch uh, by John Ross off a fastball from Jeff Driscoll. But you know what? We need to turn the clock back to the first preseason game because we did not kill Bears coach Matt Nagy nearly enough for attempting – a game-tying, 52-yard <laughs> field goal with less than a minute to go that would have forced overtime,
1: and there is overtime in preseason games. Rookie mistake. <laughs> My head coach first I think year. Cody I Park, he intentionally shanked it. <laughs> <laughs> I bet his teammates said, you make it, you're walking home. You're not flying. I mean, that, that was that was kind of nuts. And speaking of kickers, what about Brown? How about him getting the game ball? 55-yarder. I, I honestly, I wonder – if he was supposed to do all that kicking, I haven't asked the coaches yet, but because you know he didn't have the opening kickoff, right? It, that was the only time we saw Nugent, time. right? Right, and uh, in, in the opening kickoff, and then after that, when he made that fifty-five yarder, maybe you know Darren says to Marvin, "Let's let's." Take a look at. It. Let's you know. Let him. He deserves to continue here. He made that. Who knows? Maybe it was planned. I, I've not checked that out. I don't know if it was planned that way or not, or if he just kind of kicked himself into additional opportunities and, uh, and and continued to shine. I mean, that kickoff goes through the end zone, hits the uh, crossbar. Uh, that would have been at least another 10 yards past the the back line of the end zone. That's that's a that's 20 yards. You know, out of out of bounds, almost to the seats. I mean, the guy has a cannon, a howitzer hanging off that right hip. And uh, the hang time he gets with it, not only distance, but, I mean, that's a big parabola. Boy, that's, that, that's in that dome to get – it, it was like an Adam Dunn upper de, upper deck home run. Majestic trajectory on his kicks, man. It's crazy.
0: Marvin said after the game that it's not an open competition. Right. It's still Mike Nugent's – not Mike Nugent, to Randy Bullock's right. job. Right. And let's – You know, give credit to Randy Bullock. He made 90% of his field goals last year. He hasn't missed a kick in a game so far this year. But I will say this I used to think that if Randy Bullock went down, they would not have the nerve to go to John Brown just because he's never done it in a game before. I figured, well, if Randy tweaks something, they would do what they did last year. They would go find another Marshall Kane to kick in a game or two. John Brown is changing my mind about that. I think that if. Randy Bullock were to suffer an injury, I think John Brown is showing them enough that they would say, you know what, let's give him a shot.
1: And I think that's the reason they let him do the additional kicking is to build a resume that not only the Bengals have that opinion, but other teams in the league look at it and say, man, he's on my short list. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna bring him in for at least a tryout, where he wouldn't have been on on the tryout list when kickers either you know uh, lose their opportunity uh, due to ineffectiveness or injury. And then they're looking for somebody else. he, he, he might be on a few people's lists by the time this preseasons over then like we said again, Canadian football, these new leagues. he's trying to extend his career. I mean he is, he is a neophyte for sure. so every, every opportunity he gets is is going to be it's like gold. it's like a gold bar for him to have kicks uh, th- that kind of magnitude and that kind of opportunity so uh, and he responded, so I think he is you know he's gonna he's going to make his mark and, and make some lists for sure
0: seems like every year or maybe every couple of years, somebody makes this team based on the returns in the preseason. It was Dane Sonsenbacher a few right. years ago. It was Alex Erickson two years ago. Is Darius Phillips becoming that guy this year? Maybe would have made it anyway. Fifth-round draft pick to play cornerback, but he had a 44-yard kick return. He had a 24-yard punt return. He was very successful as a kick returner in college. And I'm wondering if he is showing them enough as a return man to more or less guarantee that he's going to stick around on the 53.
1: I mean, he is, um, he's making a, making a statement for sure. He's shown up twice. In both games, he showed the wiggle, the short space quickness. Um, he, he definitely has an innate ability. Those return guys, some of the things that they do, you can't really coach. It's instinct. It's feel. It's knack. Guys have a knack for it and other guys don't. You know that's why it's like, well, John Ross. Why, you know, why isn't he returning? Well, you saw in that punt, he wasn't really too sure about messing with it. Said he lost in the lights. Okay, well, that's happens. It happens. <laughs> it happens. <laughs> it definitely happens. And if you feel like you have, you certainly don't want to, you know, stab at it uh, and cause cause issues. But I mean, he is he's totally comfortable back there. You know, when when guys are running down at you like they are in the National Football League on special teams. It's a, it's a very, very unique feeling, and, and he, he has the calm and the composure to handle it and deal with it, make good decisions in the return game, and he has shown uh, Darren Simmons the first thing you have to do is secure the, the football, and he's done a good job of catching the football. so, um, And that's what Alex Erickson was all about. He was very, very sure back there as well as his ability to return it. But, you know, now you look at it and you say, okay, well, are Alex Erickson and Phillips, are they in a battle? Because you're not just fighting all the wide receivers. If you've got a defensive back trying to make the back end of that roster and he can return kicks, and you're a receiver trying to make the back end of the roster and you can return kicks, you're going against each other. You're not going against Auden Tate or whoever else, Cody Core. You're going against those guys and a guy from another position group. And that's that's the life in the NFL from a roster standpoint. But if, if both of them make it, Darren Simmons is even in a better situation because one gets nicked up, you just toss the other one in there. And he had that with uh, Adam Jones. Now with Adam Jones, you know, not on the football team. You know, Phillips might be a guy that uh, would be, you know, potentially at some point in time in some of the sub-packages if he works his way up to that. Plus he could provide a return opportunity if, if Erickson gets nicked up.
0: I guess the good news for Alex Erickson is he's having excellent camp as a wide receiver, made a tremendous yep. toe-tap catch on 3rd and 11 for a 28-yard gain, drew a key pass interference penalty in the Dallas win, so uh, he doesn't necessarily have to hold on to his job as a return man because I think he's
1: one of their top five wide receivers. I think he's uh, one of their, you know, if you look at the 53-man roster, he's not He's not like number uh, you know, 46, the last guy in the, I, to me, he's a solid uh, member of the football team. I was just pointing out that, you know, it's, it's like the competition. You can't have television just, oh, I'm competing with mm-hmm. these cornerbacks or you're competing with a lot of people when you're not, you know, one of the, uh, the top 22 guys on the football team. So it becomes the more you can do. And yeah, to me, Alex Erickson, it's, it's, it's gold stamp. I mean, he's, he's on my football team and he will be, as long as uh, he can probably play, I love the kid. I love what he, everything he he gives to uh, you on the football field, in the locker room. You know, he's a he's a, a great member of the organization. But that's uh, you know, Phillips, Phillips is making showing it showing that he can. Uh, it's all based on number of snaps he can provide. You know, and he's showing he could be maybe a factor in the sub packages if if he's uh, if he continues to improve and progress with what they want systematically here and then with his natural gift of uh, a return guy like you mentioned a few times anybody at any level that returns as many balls or scores as many touchdowns as that kid did as many different ways as he did he's got to be a football player and he is he's a good football player
0: five kick return touchdowns one punt return touchdown in college for Darius Phillips final topic is John Ross had a 29-yard catch Excellent play on the two-point conversion to hold on to that throw from Driscoll before getting popped. And then early in the game, failed to catch a punt that cost the Bengals' uh, field position. They had to start their first drive of the game from the four-yard line as a result. I feel like in the first two weeks, we have seen what the Bengals are going to get out of John Ross as a rookie. Knock on wood that he stays healthy. There are going to be some mess-ups. He didn't play last year. Uh, in game one, he fell down. It led to the pick six. In game two, he fails to catch the punt. But he is going to provide that big play element that they have sore, so sorely lacked. 20-yard catch in game one, 29-yard catch in game two. Maybe he doesn't catch 60
1: balls this year, but when he makes plays, they're going to be for big gains. He may average 20 yards a catch <laughs> or 18 mm. or more. You know, and that that's the kind of thing he can do. Like you said, he's going to be um, – He's going to pop off the tape both ways, you know, potentially. And hopefully it's a heck of a lot more from a positive standpoint. With him, you're going to maybe look at some train wrecks like we talked about. You hate to see train wrecks, you know. You don't want to see penalties. You don't want to see turnovers. You want to see drops. You don't want to see any of those kind of things. But then when he gives a guy a little bit of shake, you know, in space on, on like a little bubble screen and takes it 60 yards, like, oh, my gosh. Not many guys in this world can do that, or just flat runs by somebody, you know, and secures the football and, and a big play that way. He he does provide, you know, what they've been looking for since Marvin Jones, the guy on the other side of the field to stretch the field opposite AJ. So you know, can't always tilt it and roll it toward AJ. You have to think about the other guy, and hopefully he, his his biggest thing, just like a lot of football players strive for, is consistency, and his his graph is too you know there's too many peaks and valleys in it and if he can if he can keep the keep the needle up toward that high end of his graph he's not going to be there every snap do something like oh my god i mean nobody does that but if he can get there a higher percentage of the time than he's doing now he could be something special
0: we are off to buffalo on saturday will you join me again at my favorite chicken wing place in the city of buffalo
1: as a native of that area area dan your your <laughs> your opinion proved to be solid gold i think a return trip is in order bro
0: gabriel's gate is the place and horton lapham will be crushing it on saturday night Big time. (laughs) look forward to
1: it same Same here. here
0: buffalo's most famous chicken wing establishment is the anchor bar where buffalo style wings were supposedly invented but as lap mentioned i grew up in western new york and i swear by gabriel's gate on allen street in downtown Buffalo. They are awesome. Next Sunday's game in Buffalo starts at 4 o'clock, and if you missed the news, the Bengals will not be facing A.J. McCarron, who suffered a shoulder injury last week. The Bills have announced that rookie Josh Allen, the seventh pick in this year's draft, will get his first preseason start at quarterback. Now time for this week's fun facts segment as we get to know the person under the pads. In this case, 24-year-old Moritz Bowringer a 6'4", 243-pound tight end who was a sixth-round draft pick by the Minnesota Vikings in 2016 when he made history by becoming the first European player to be drafted without playing any college football in the U.S. Time for some fun facts with Bengals tight end Moritz Boeringer, a native of Stuttgart, Germany, who is with the Bengals this year as part of the NFL's International Player Pathway Program. Let's turn the clock back, Moritz. How does a kid growing up in Germany become interested in American football?
2: I played soccer growing up like most guys in Germany do. And then at some point I just saw a random video on YouTube about Adrian Peterson. And I kind of liked what I saw. And I just looked at what it is and, yeah, tried to find a club in Germany. And luckily we had football in Germany, so I just joined a club in my hometown and yeah basically that's where it all started.
0: What was that club team like? How often did you practice and how sophisticated was it in
2: comparison to what kids are exposed to here? We have like a, we had like a joint team with another city because we just didn't have enough guys so mm-hmm. we just like practiced I don't know like once or twice a week and then maybe two times a month we drove to the other city and practiced with them so it was hard in the beginning. <laughs> We're doing Fun Facts with Bengals
0: tight end Moritz Bohringer. You eventually played in the German Football League for the Schwabisch Hall Unicorns, if I'm saying that correctly. How popular is that league? Are
2: the games televised? Do they get spectators? Tell me a little bit about the German Football League. I don't know. Like The games get like around two, 3,000 people. Sure. It's not on TV now, but they're trying to like get at least the highlights of the games on TV, and then the final, the German Bowl, that's a. What that's on TV, so it's kind of you want to get in the game, so you can be on TV. And you played in the German Bowl, yes. kind of the Super Bowl of European football. Yeah, exactly. It's that's a big, bigger game. It's probably like twelve thousand people come to that game, hmm. and it's in Berlin, in the capital. So that was a nice experience. <laughs> We're
0: visiting with Moritz Boeringer. NFL teams are always looking for undiscovered talent, and after you had. Great statistics in the German football league. You got an invitation to come to the U.S. and go through a pro day where you work out in front of NFL scouts. What was it like to you getting that call, getting that invitation to to go through a pro
2: day? Yeah, at first I didn't really believe it because the guy who contacted me just first wrote me on Facebook and asked me for my number and then just <laughs> called and said, you want to come to the United States? And we was like, uh... Okay. I'm <laughs> not sure if that's like a joke or something, but in the end, it was all real.
0: So you come to the U.S., you did a workout at Florida University, and you had great numbers of 4'4", and a 40-yard dash, a 39-inch vertical leap, and you're a, a big
2: guy. Your life changed from that workout, didn't it? Yeah, it was pretty crazy after that, like especially all the media coverage I got. It was just almost overwhelming, but was also good because I wanted to play football in the highest level and that gave me a chance to do it.
0: Teams got interested as a result of that workout and you eventually got drafted in the sixth round two years ago by the Minnesota Vikings. Did that make you a big celebrity back in Germany?
2: I get recognized from time to time, but it's not like I can't go outside and do anything. (laughs) It's like I still can't do what I normally do. You're
0: drafted by the Vikings. You go to their camp and I can only imagine how intimidating it must have been where you're one of 90 guys but they've been playing American style football their whole lives and you have very limited exposure to it back
2: in Germany was it a little bit scary I wasn't used to like a professional sport I think that was the biggest challenge like people who grow up like go through a whole system and they like get slowly introduced to the whole what it takes to like be an NFL professional player and yeah I just got thrown in there and (laughs) had to like learn everything real fast. Were there really basic football terms
0: or what we would consider to be basic football terms that you had never heard before and you're trying to pick it up
2: in the NFL? No it was more like the complexity of the playbook it was just more than I was used to and there was more details on everything and the routes had to be really clean in Germany. I just could use the my athleticism mm-hmm. and just dominate with that. So in 2016, you spent
0: a year on the Vikings practice squad playing for Mike Zimmer, a former Bengals assistant
2: coach. What was that year like? How much did you learn in that year on the practice squad? It was definitely a great chance to learn a lot about football and how the NFL works too. I just enjoyed, enjoyed being there and just experienced
0: the whole thing. A few more fun facts with Bengals tight end Moritz Bowringer. So the NFL has started this international players pathway program, and basically the way it works, just by random, the four teams in the AFC North were selected. Each team was assigned an international player, and that player could possibly make the 53-man roster, or if not, the teams get an exemption so that that player can stay on the practice squad for the year. So you are more or less assured of being with the Bengals for the
2: upcoming year what do you hope to get out of this season? Because I changed positions, I just try to get the whole tight end thing <laughs> and yeah, just get better at that. Get better at blocking and just try to learn as much as I can. Yeah, I
0: don't know if I even mentioned it. You were a wide receiver back home in Germany. That's what you played with the Vikings and now the Bengals are converting you to tight end.
2: Yeah, it was just new in the beginning and the whole term terminology too, like the whole blocking schemes, but yeah, I'm getting used to it, so it's not rocket science, it's just <laughs> gotta block the right guy.
0: <laughs> it might be tougher than rocket science, <laughs> weren't you studying mechanical engineering back yeah, home? exactly. <laughs> so you're obviously a good student in addition to being an excellent
2: athlete. Yeah, that's what I did most of the time, I was studying first and football was just on the side for fun, so... Okay, final fun fact for Moritz
0: Boringa, the Bengals' tight end. Cincinnati has a great German heritage. We have an Oktoberfest every year. There's a popular German language school. The the over-the-Rhine neighborhood was built by German immigrants. Have you become familiar with
2: all of these German ties in the city of Cincinnati? Yeah, I've seen some stuff, and I've seen the House in Newport, and I went to the see Cincinnati game and they had like some fan club in and stud mm-hmm. that was a fan club so yeah there's a lot of Jones stuff you should fit right
0: in yeah <laughs> very good we appreciate your time uh, best of luck this year hope to uh, make some catches in the preseason yeah thank you Bowringer Ringer had one catch for four yards in the Dallas game and while he won't make the 53-man roster to begin the season he is sure to be on the practice squad since all four teams in the AFC North get to carry an extra practice squad player this year as part of the new International Player Pathway program. That's going to do it for this edition of the podcast. If you haven't done so already, don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play and give it a rating or leave a comment. Your feedback has been great and five-star ratings help more Bengals fans find this podcast. I'm Dan Horde and thanks for listening to the Bengals Booth podcast.